Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. When do we take control of our lives and our destiny? We're a small country, but we punch way above our weight. Like, I'm filming now at this stage, to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the hardest things to do. It was horrendous. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. So I often wonder, do the newsrooms of Ireland listen in to The Opinion Line and make notes about what we're talking about? and then a couple of months later decide it becomes a story for them. How long is it since we were talking about the four-day working week? We even spoke to David Sweeney, a solicitor in Cork who introduced it a couple of months ago now and it's all going swimmingly for him. And I remember talking to someone on this programme, God, it's four or five years ago, and they were working it already in another part of the world. Could we ever do it on this program? Fiona, you're taking over Fridays, all right, from, from next month. I'm, I'm out of here. That's one way. <laughs> you saw the look I got through the glass would sour the milk in your coffee. Honest to God, me wife wouldn't look at me like that. Dear Lord. But four-day week, they're talking about it now at senior level. And there's lots of companies interested in it. I, it, it could never work in some places. Would I like it? <laughs> would I what? Would I what? Oh, something else to watch out for today as well. Um, you're going to get very, very familiar with this piano riff. You, you absolutely are very familiar. Yep. Get to know this. Yeah. Sounds like 101 other piano riffs you've heard before. I think I have heard it before On an Indale album somewhere That's all we've got of her new single Called Easy On Me It'll be released uh, When? It'll be released on Friday the 15th Which is uh, tomorrow week No doubt it'll be the biggest song In the world For a while after that It's her new album called 30 Um, uh, And just like her other ones Were all numbers as well The new one is called 30 and it may be full of angst-ridden songs about the separation from her husband because that's what Adele does. She writes about her life. But anyway, easy on me. Get very familiar with it. 
You're going to either love us or hate us in the weeks to come. Fantastic news from friend of the show, Catherine Ross Murphy. I'll tell you about it during the morning. She's the woman who wrote the book, Catherine's Old Time Cookbook, and it was for charity. And we had her on here a few weeks ago. Absolutely fabulous, fabulous news from Catherine. I'll tell you about it during the morning. But I want to go down to Cork Penny Dinners. Roy Keane turned up there yesterday making sandwiches. We'll talk about that in a minute, Katrina Toomey. But you also met after I met with David Cullinan and team here on Monday. But I'm particularly interested in something you had to say on Facebook, Katrina, about the number of young people coming out of the care system, ageing out of the care system as you do, and then finding themselves using your services Mm -hmm. and homeless. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yep, it, it, that's what it is exactly. The when they turn eighteen, they're just left to you know put out there, and they're left at the mercy then of anybody that can or will step in to help them. The services don't just open up for them, so they don't graduate from say when you're eighteen, leave in a foster home to going into another service that'll help you get on your feet, get a, a home, get a job, and stuff like that. It just doesn't happen like that, so they're left there. There is an aftercare system. There is, but it's 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 not extensive enough for what for what a lot of these people need. You know, they're they're in the care system, and for some, the care system can be pretty rough. Let's face it. And then when they're eighteen, and when they're like some people, take kids in the foster care system and they keep them forever. They're they're forever. Do you know, they keep them, they're their children, they look after them and they love them and there's no such thing as being turfed out when you're 18, but for some that does happen and um, there's uh, the outcomes aren't usually very, very good. So, like we have an 18-year-old at the minute and um, there's kind of nothing opened up to him. He's doing a course there's no accommodation for him there's no there's nothing there for him mm-hmm. and um so he's kind of left to his own i suppose he's left at the mercy of and of Katrina, do, does he have access to anything i know there's a isn't there something called epic he, he does have access to something yeah. people who'll help him maybe find a place to live find a job He's been trying, and as we've another one, I think he's either twenty-one or twenty-three, who's been trying as well, and he has some complex issues going on, and he kind of can't seem to get break the line anyway. He can't break through, you know. He just cannot do it, and he's trying to access another service at the minute, like to provide, um, you know, to try and get on the list for for housing and stuff like that, and he's having problems breaking through because he has a difficulty in communicating and he communicates the wrong way it's kind of hard for me to say I can appreciate what, what, what it is with him like you know but he, he has a difficulty and doesn't come probably across well enough for anyone to to want to sit down and help help him but the thing is he's he's five years in this system now and it don't seem to be any way out for him he he would need specialist help you know some of them when they come up may have issues going on there may be you know even a disability there may be stuff like that so that they have complex issues mm. and for him that's not helping him get anywhere at all mm. And uh, he does try and he thinks he's having a bit of success. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, we'll put you to, you know, another service or we'll refer you on to this. But the 18-year-old is just 18. He's raw. And he knows, like, the the risks that are out there for himself. And he's trying to prevent being 
homeless on the streets. That's what he's basically trying to do now at the minute. And um, he's finding it very hard because, do you know, when you're 18, you're still classed as a kid, as a child. Yeah. So when you're trying to get into this system, you know, and to get stuff, you may not present yourself as well or maybe not, not present yourself enough for whoever you're presenting yourself to. And uh, we have to have probably a service in mind for young people like that. And the services that are there to help, all of them do help, but they haven't enough resources to help mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. And that's what's making all of this much worse it's all the gaps you know where do people go at the weekend who can they access at the weekend no one and that's the same for everything down down through the whole mental health issue you have nobody you know we had that meeting with David the other day and he spoke frankly to us about their proposals and what they want to do and that they need everybody to kind of buy into this. And, and, and it's, it's a big issue that we all need to do something to help. But there are people on the ground helping and people willing to do that. And we do need that because we're losing so many people. I've said it before, every time anybody asks me, COVID has shown the inside face that was hidden from the world of mental health. And many people that come to us now it's a visible sign that we see now. We would have known of their mental health issues, but they'd get by. You wouldn't think they had yeah. them. But COVID brought brought that visible to everybody now. And it's it's awful sad to see. Yeah. And what happened was when COVID when COVID hit, um everything shut down. So they were they were cut off from the whole lot and left adrift. They weren't able to go to their their clubs, their groups, they weren't able to go anywhere and have any um, interaction, you know, um, one-on-one are, are in their groups. So that has a detrimental effect now on people and that's coming to the fore for a lot of them because out there we see them and, you know, we're inside and we're saying, oh my God, isn't it awful sad like to see this face now that was hidden before that people were able to, to hide before. But, um, and it's going to get worse. Like we're mm. facing right into Christmas now. Our winter months are hard months. And we had Cork City missing persons, David, there the other day saying like, that usually it's the winter months, like these months now is when they're kind of at their busiest. But they were busy all summer long. Yeah. And the yeah. summer before for the last two years. So that's an indicator in itself that COVID has had a massive effect on people. But prior to COVID, we had all these issues as well. Mm-hmm. So we would have had that scale prior to COVID. Now we have a, an even it, higher it, it, it scale. It has added to what was already there, I yes. guess is what you're saying. Exactly. To me. Come back to the, to the young people coming, coming out of care, because you said this to me before, Katrina, that they mm-hmm. find themselves with... no Now, there is aftercare. Many, and it, the problem is it for some of them. It's a choice. You, you don't have to engage. So therefore, some of them don't. Some of them don't, and some of them aren't able. You know, it, it's not that everybody comes out. You know, you walk out one door, you close it, and you walk into another door. Some of them need help because they have they have issues going on. Like yeah. there's special needs with some of them. They're just not able. They're just not capable. Of doing what it. do you think might and, be a better system? What, what might be a better system? Oh, I, I think when we know that a person is coming out at 18 years of age, out into the into the world, so to speak, I think like that in, in the year prior to that, like that they, things should be started to be put in place then so that they just don't come out 
and are told you have to access the service and access that service. That's intimidating for anybody at any time. But when you're a young kid at 18 years of age, it can be really overpowering and Maybe they're. Yeah. Because I do know people who've worked in the system, Katrina, who would say that they'd be doing a piece of work with a young person that they know is going to age out. They'd be starting to do a piece of work maybe six months ahead, say, look, you're going to be coming out now. Here's what's there for you. Here's what you can get. Yes, but the thing is, we have to help them get it. We have to, you know, like they should be secure accommodation for them when they come right. out. That's number one. And with that, then everything else can fall into place. Yeah. The services that are there, I keep saying the whole time, no matter what service is there, it's excellent. It's good. The people that are in there yes. are doing good, yes. there's good, just not enough good of it. solid work, but just not enough of it. And there's not enough of it to go around. And it's not 24-7. These young people don't know when they're going to get the jitters or when they're going to just, you know, crumble on the inside because of all of this. But again, it shouldn't be happening to them. Mm. Do you know, as I said, now we have a couple of young boys now at the minute and only far we kind of know what to do with them, we're doing it. But it shouldn't be up to us. It should not be up to us to do this. This is a system that they've been in and have went through for maybe no fault of their own. There could have been a debt of a you know, a mother or a father or something that that has, you know, yeah. ended with them being in there and um, been in the system. Yeah. But as I said, not all foster care is like this. There are fantastic foster Absolutely. homes out there that their children are there's forever and, and ever. There's and foster parents, forever. there's foster parents, Katrina, who would let the young person stay with them until they get them sorted. Forever. But the young person, of course, won't they, do yeah. that. Are yeah. you suggesting maybe that you know the way that fantastic place we've often talked about, uh, Tokwira up there in the Mardike that's set up for people coming out of addiction services. Is is it time to look at a kind of a Tokwira for young it young is. kids coming out of care? Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's the only thing that'll work. You can't just shut a door, you know, behind them and let them there, you know, and, and put them in at the deep end of the pool. There has to be a system in place. So if they're out of the system on a Monday, they have to be going into another system that Monday yeah. as well. Do you know? The other like problem, when they come out as the well, other. they don't have an address for social services. Kate is asking that no. question. Having an address no, for the services, don't. no? Yeah, they don't, and they have to go down and probably present then at maybe Simon. And, you know, I'm sure Simon don't want 18-year-olds coming to them as well. Do you know, like, that have come out of a system that may not have any issues going on other than the fact that they have no place to actually live because their foster care has ended for them. So, like... um, they they would recognise as well what we recognise like is that you, you don't take them out of some place and and make everything harsh all of a sudden for them, mm. if that's the word that, yeah. that you know they have to fill forms they have to go here they have to look for this they have to look for that, they are young, and you become very vulnerable when that door closes yeah. behind you. The other thing, of course, and is they're legal adults too, which they may not be adults in the true sense of the world, but legally they are, which things like GDPR comes into effect and all that kind of nonsense. Yeah, and I mean, some of them will manage and they'll have, you know, a bit of luck. Roy King spoke about just a little luck. You have to have a bit of luck in everything as well. And for some, they get that bit of luck. But for others, they don't. And these are the ones that we see. And your heart goes out to them. They're, they're just babies, like, still yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and, you know, they have no place to go. And then they're roaming 
around like lost souls. Yes, like you, you, you know, I mean, it's, it's something we we may touch on a bit more because it's 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 a very interesting area, and we may work with you maybe throughout the winter and talk some more about this. Just yeah. on the subject of Roy, how did he end up there making sandwiches, Katrina? Oh, <laughs> he was having a cup of tea. <laughs> Roy, Roy pops in every now and then, and um, it's all you know. It's unexpected like he'll you know he'd never say he's coming like but he he only comes in to say hello and that kind of gets onto bigger things then because of course the whole place like crumb you know fall you know when they see him the excitement and everything yeah. but like for the people that come to eat as well they get very excited and you know and look at him and you know what we we were there yesterday and um Roy was talking to our musical director, Fabrice, who's French. And Fabrice's father is heavily involved in soccer in France. And Fabrice himself here in Ireland, he's here over 30 years. And um, they they were talking, and just to hear Roy talk about the French players, like in talking about Zidane. And, and you're just sitting there and you're listening to somebody that actually knows all these people, like, you know, from the soccer That's world. Right, yeah. And one of the other guys inside just said, isn't this kind of strange, like, to be sitting here... <laughs> Having this conversation with somebody that has played with them, That's played right. against them, and, right. and all of that, he said, it takes kind of Zidane and all those players to a whole new level altogether that you're actually having a conversation in, with someone yeah. that... And, and Roy that talks about them as easily as he talks about fellas he used to play oh. with in Rock Mountain. <laughs> Abs, absolutely, Abs, and that was the, it. Was just an ordinary conversation, yeah. and like the lads were talking about, you know, and it was just backwards and forwards, and Endless. like Roy was saying, like to to Fabrice, that the regard he had for the French players, like he said, they were, you know, and Fabrice was really, really like taken away, like with the fact that Roy had so many good things to say about the French yeah. players and those that he knew and met and played yeah. against and stuff isn't, like isn't that. It, isn't it absolutely fantastic, phenomenal. Katrina? That we have a guy oh, yeah. like that who's an international, yeah. globally recognised yeah. star in his chosen yeah. sport and will just wander mm-hmm. in for a cuppa and a chat. Yeah. And I, I was funny, like, he he just put up outside the door in the car, like, and got out and chatted to those that were outside. And we chatted outside for ages, and he was chatting to everyone. And you could see people passing, like, and everyone doing double takes, like, and everyone looking. And you could see in everyone's face, like, how fabulous they felt, yeah. like, just because they actually saw him in person. But the thing is, we've we've gotten to, you know, we've, Roy has been in quite a few times, and every time he comes in, he takes being Kirk to a whole new level, and he takes being a fabulous human being to a whole new level. Right. He seems to have everybody on the one level with himself, do you know, there's yeah. nothing, he just, it's an ordinary conversation, but it's a good and sometimes deep conversation, but it's a it's a one like that works both ways it's not, you know Roy will listen, and if somebody asks him a question about a player he'll talk, like, and he'll say something and, do you know, it's a proper, proper conversation. It's, it's absolutely fantastic to see, and I think it is, it's pure Cork Katrina, thank you very much, Katrina Toomey uh, from Cork Penny Dinners I'm going to look into that a bit more over the next few months, youngsters coming out of the care system and there is provision there for them. There is aftercare and they might spend a few months building up to aftercare. But as Katrina said, they need a bit more sometimes. We'll, 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 um, we'll work on that a bit more over the next couple of months. 1850-715-996. Finbar says, PJ, my boy loves Katrina. He met her on Sunday and, think, and she has the same birthday as his nana. And he keeps talking about her. She's an absolute legend and you can sing it. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See MIG.ie. Focus what you mean, got my eyes on the prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick. Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live With Now Stream live Premier League action With a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership Listen every Saturday Exclusively online at 96fm.ie Or download the Cork's 96fm app Can we just talk The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Text or WhatsApp now 083-396-9696 On Cork's 96FM We're being contacted by a very distressed listener who's had a most unfortunate experience and is in the middle of a most unfortunate experience with a wedding photographer and you might have some advice for her Tell you about that uh, within the hour hopefully once I can get to it. But if a person is very upset and very distressed, I'll bring you details of that in a while. But Katrina touched on mental health and I'm particularly taken by something she said. She said that the problems that were already there in mental health have been exposed by COVID and the additional problems caused by COVID are now adding to what was already there. Hugh Worley is with Cork Counselling Services. She's right, isn't she, Hugh? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, nice to talk to you. And to you, sir. Um, yes, Katrina is right. I mean, Katrina is very much on the ground, as we are ourselves. Uh, we're a community counselling service. We're based in Father Matthew Street, PJ, and I think next year we'll be there for 40 years. So we know that community has huge needs at the moment, and they're just it's, it's not possible to meet them at the moment with the current level of funding that we're getting nationally and you know I suppose we've joined almost 50 other mental health organizations nationally we put out a letter in the last day or two to the Taoiseach saying come on we need to up the budget uh, about five percent of the national budget the national health budget at the moment goes to mental health mm. and I mean in the UK it's 13 percent so what's wrong with this um can can we move it you know, we're looking for increasing it to 10%, which is, you know, a lot of millions. Uh, and yes, you know, as, as Katrina said, uh, just the, the the COVID issues on top of what is a very chronic problem over mm. many years in Ireland, um, the underfunding of mental health, we, we want to put it away. And yet it's very real in all our lives in the, in the community, in our families, in our communities. Yeah. You know it, I know it. Yeah. What struck me particularly was the way she put it, that we always knew what was there, but COVID exposed it for us all to see and added its own problems to the mix. Yes, we were talking about mental health a bit more now. I mean, I wouldn't have a party on it, but you know, we, we, we are beginning to be more open and I think social media and programmes like your own, PJ, uh, have really helped us begin to talk. And yes, that um, COVID too, there's, you know, we have this idea of, maybe it's overused, that COVID is like a war. Well, it's, it's very often when people come back from the war that there's, that there's issues and we're beginning to see that now. 
Um, so there was the immediate crisis of COVID, which, you know, took us all. Um, and, you know, it's now the, the transitioning back and maybe, you know, the, the dealing with, they often say coming down from the mountain is the dangerous part of the journey. You know, it's, it's, it's and we're seeing that, um, I suppose, in our approach to, um, at the moment we're a small organisation, we've joined up with a lot of other mental health organisations. Mm-hmm. So rather than being just a small drum beating in Cork, that, you know, nationally we're saying, come on, um, this needs to be recognised. And I think, in fairness, that there has been recognition of the COVID crisis in terms of the practical uh, issues that we had to address. But the mental health, we, we're, we're not prepared to let those issues go mm-hmm. hidden again because we've, for too long in Ireland, mental health has been... Um, I don't know, the, the, the poor relation, mm. certainly in terms of funding and attention. Um, and I think we all know that in, at times of crisis, you know, people turn to self-soothe themselves quite yes. understandably. But the ways that the ways they do that aren't always very healthy. So, you know, we're seeing... Which brings into addiction and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So we're either overworking yeah. or overeating or gambling, the usual... Yeah. Um, Hugh, it's a, less than a week out from the yeah. budget now. The budget is, is next week, Tuesday or Wednesday. And it's it's in the budget book, if you want, that, that where the small print is. So, we, yes. you know, on, on budget day itself, we hear about direct taxation and we hear about the price of petrol and the oil levels, all that also. What do you want to see in the budget for mental health, yourself and your colleagues in... In mental health reform, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's that that's an advocacy group for us, uh, mental health reform. And what mental health reform on our behalf are asking for is an 85 million euro increase and that money be given mm-hmm. uh, and ring fence for mental health um, so that we come way beyond the 5% of the national health budget that we currently hold. And when I talk about the mental health budget, PJ, I don't want to go too deep into figures, but that's spread across psychiatric services, psychological services, counselling services and talk therapies. Um, right now, I know, for instance, that earlier this year, the primary care psychology services was waiting lists of 10,000. Um, the children's services CAMS uh, waiting lists of 2,700. In Cork Counselling Services, we have our own waiting lists, you know, which I mean, we always we've always had a waiting list. And now it's getting longer. And, you know, so it's, this is a national trend. It needs a national response. Okay. This isn't asking the HSE for a few bob. This is asking the Taoiseach of the country to give more money to health so that the HSE and TUSLA can give it to mental health. Um, and that's what we're demanding at this stage on behalf of the community because it's hugely needed. Okay, Hugh, leave it there. Thank you. Hugh Morley of Cork Counselling Services. Uh, thank you for that. Speaking of mental health, the mental health story we've been following on the opinion line right through the summer and right up to Eroctus level, and that is the proposed closure of Onakura. I want to return to that briefly next. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Boeing Tractor and Vintage Car Run 2021 will take place on Sunday the 24th of October. Registration is at Boeing Hall at 11am and the run sets off at 12.30. Proceeds raised from the event are in aid of Marymount Hospice. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. When we first broke the story of the Ona Curra Centre in the summertime with Councillor uh, Liam Quaid and one or two of the uh, um, relatives of people down there, we said we'd stay with it. Uh, through the bitter end to see where it goes and we're going to do that on the opinion line Mary there's a meeting tomorrow I think good morning yeah, uh, good mor- morning um, PJ yes uh, our, well it's sometime tomorrow I don't actually have the time but um, our um, local TTs the four of them are meeting with um, Minister Mary Butler um, to talk about uh, the Onakura Centre and to raise and highlight the um I suppose the 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 real upset and and um, worry we have down here about the centre closing. So they're meeting her tomorrow to talk to her about um, uh, various things in relation to the closure itself. We've um, got concerns about these building reports that um, 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 we haven't seen proper sight of. Um, we we are now going to ask that um, our TDs um, ask for. Um, residents to be permitted to have their own independent structural engineer come and get sight of these reports and make an assessment of the unit itself because Mm -hmm. there's been so so many questions have been left unanswered um, questions um, just not being fully explored that we feel is independent oversight at this stage. Mary Butler by the way being the the Minister with direct responsibility for the the area and and that's another bit of progress are we at the point now, though, Mary, where the actual date of 31st of October for closure, that's kind of been softly shelved now, hasn't it? More focusing on individual programmes. Yeah, and, and, and on the face of it, that might seem, you know, like a, some kind of a win. But actually, for us, it's created more anxiety in some ways because... Um, we've got this kind of, uh, we're getting all sorts of different dates, like maybe Christmas, maybe April, right. um, a few weeks. So it's actually very, very unsettling and, and distressing for residents. And we're living in a state of heightened anxiety about it, to be honest with you. So, yeah, it's just been... Um, the lack of certainty is, is and I, I think the night I was down there, that came across to me very, very strongly. It's the, the uncertainty is one of the things that's causing yeah. the most anxiety. So, yeah. what what are the and, and the reason? Sorry, the reason for the uncertainty is is um, what, what's happened here is this group of people are losing their home through no fault of their own. I think that seems to be forgotten in all this kind of um, discussion. Mm. These people are losing their home. Um, they there are. There are some problems with this building. Um, I, I was really struck last week listening to um, uh, the issues with Pyrite and Mike. Um, you know these these, yes. these problems up the country where 3.2 billion um, of funds is is being provided to um, families who need to get their homes renovated and um, reconstructed and so on. And that should be the case. But it was really uh, occurring to me that this is exactly the situation for these people. They, they're losing their homes, because this home, because the building is um, uh, has got some structural problems. Okay. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. And I think the, that, that, that the uncertainty, uncertainty would be taken away if there was commitment given to 
repair this building or or renov or you know rebuild it. Rebuild that it would or, take or do away some, do something yeah. do something solid with it. All right, Mary, thank you for that. That meeting tomorrow between the four TDs for Cork. Uh, Cork East, who would be off the top of my head? Oh, I won't even try. I'll do, I should remember off the top of my head, but I know that um, Sean Sherlock is one, Pat, uh, Pat Buckley is another, and the other two have gone from my memory, so I'll just forget it for now. I'll name them in a minute. Thank you. <laughs> there, was, there was a time when I could recall the entire 18 that sit for Cork at any one time. Right, we've been contacted by a very distressed listener. Uh, doesn't want to come on air. She's that distressed. She got married recently and uh, paid the photographer in full and in cash in advance. They had a lovely day. But now they can't get the photographs from the photographer. Now, they've sent all the details of the business to Revenue. Revenue say they can't find any details of this business on their database. The listener has now found out that a link to the photographs has been posted onto a photography website. Now, she did not give consent for this. She believes it may be a breach of GDPR and she now feels she's been the victim of a scam because she paid up front in cash for these photos. She's contacted Gardaí, uh, but she's waiting for a response. Uh, we also have asked the Gardaí for a response to this, but does anybody have any advice here? So she paid cash up front and before anyone says you shouldn't have done that, I think she probably knows. So she paid cash up front and now she can't get the pictures and she hears that they're being posted on a website for which she did not give her consent. Anybody care to advise that listener? Uh, she is very very distressed. Uh, 1850 715 Also, there's a meeting to do with Onakura, another meeting on the 16th of October. All right, that's next week. 16th, is it next? Uh, yeah, 16th of October. 1850 Now, uh, Councillor Oliver Moran of the Green Party got in touch with his uh, party leader, Eamon Ryan, the other day when the cabinet was in Cork and brought to his attention uh, concerns raised with him by the Mums of Glenmire Facebook page or on the Mums of Glenmire Facebook page. Helen, you you contacted uh, Oliver Moran to bring this to his attention. Good morning. Good morning. What's the story with the bus? Well, I wouldn't have been aware of the issues, only I, on the 28th of September, I was waiting at Kent Station from 5pm to 6.15 for the 214 bus, and there was nothing had come. Other buses were passing and that. There was quite a few people waiting there, and there was one mother waiting to go home to her with kids. And um, I rang Bus Aaron, and they said there wouldn't be another bus for about 20 minutes. That would have been one hour, 35 minutes between the, that and the last bus. So um, I just put uh, a post on Moms of Glamour and many people came back to me with issues. Right. You didn't know there was a problem there until you put up that post? No, I didn't. I would have only got it occasionally before, but I would get it more regularly now. And I have to say, it's great to have a regular service mm. in Glamour when it's going well compared to what we had before, you know? Yeah, the 214 used to be the Toker bus, so now I assume that's just an extension of it into Glamour. 
Yes. And the thing is that a lot of people depend on not just students and college people, but people going to the CUH from Glamour as well. So that's Helen. Helen just spotted this, observed it, as she said, put it up into the Mums of Glenmire Facebook page, was, I think, taken aback by the reaction. Tina, you've two youngsters in CIT. Good morning. Hi, uh, PJ. Good morning. I do, yeah, one in CIT and one in UCC. Um, So what we're finding here now is that we're leaving a lot earlier in the morning to make sure that they can get in. Um, Some buses aren't turning up at all. um, And when they do, they're single-decker. And there's students, there's um, college students, school students, college students, and people travelling to the hospital as well as people going to work packed into a bus and we're still in COVID. Mm. So you've got all sorts of mixes um, of, of individuals, but they're, they're standing on the buses going in, trying to get into the city. Um, and I, the, on paper, the service looks fabulous, PJ. It really is, but just not turning up. Mm. It's the same coming back out of the city again in the evening. Um, it's just, I, I don't know what's going on, but it's it's just not happening. Um, the 214, as I said there previously, used to be, or the 14, before they put the two on them, the 14 was the toker bus. Uh, and it was one of the most frequent mm-hmm. and reliable services in, in the whole city. Yeah. But now they've extended it down to Lenmire, made it a bigger route, and it doesn't seem to have carried through with that. Like you said, the timetable would, you seem to have, God, there's plenty of buses, but it's not happening. Yeah. No, it's not happening. And as I said, concern, I suppose, what a lot of other parents would have is that um, kids are, uh, and people are late going to work, um, especially now that the economy is opening up, people are, are trying to get in and out. We're only 15 minutes away from the city centre. You know, so it shouldn't it shouldn't take an hour, an hour and a half, to even two hours to get in and out of the place. Um, and people will are, you know, looking for other alternatives. But that's, that's the one bus in and out. As I often said, if they put a shuttle bus from Glanmire up the Barnavara Hill to Mayfield, it would maybe take a bit of pressure off. Yeah. But at the moment, that's kind of what we have. And we have the 245 then coming in from Clonmel into the city centre as well. That'll that'll pick up a number of students. Mm. But the 214 in the morning is, um, it can, can turn out to be a nightmare. Um, it just doesn't seem to be following the timetable route at all. Oh. But the single decker early and then double deckers later in the day doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So your two youngsters, presumably heading into CIT for a, a, a nine o'clock start, what time do they have to queue up? Um, they leave here at after sometimes 20 past seven, half seven um, to get in and they're late. They can be late. Crikey. Yeah. Crikey. And it's stressful as well because you know yourself, they're trying to, it's, you know, the, the part of their um, learning at the moment is online. Some of it is in person. You know, they're, everyone's trying to find their feet with all of this. So they're, they're missing out quite a lot and they're, they're trying to attend lectures online in the, on the bus. Yeah. You know, if to, to kind of catch up, um, going in and out. So it's it's a bit of a nightmare, to be honest with you. But um, you know, I can see a lot of people starting to drive again. Um, and really, at the end of the day, that's not what we want. At a time when we want to put people onto public transport and and use less cars and more buses, that's not what you want yeah. at all, Tina. Thanks very much. We are looking into this with bus here and staying with Onakura on the sixteenth of October at two o'clock. There will be a public demonstration uh, in support of Onakura. The venue will be announced or the location will be announced on the Onakura, Save Onakura Facebook page closer to the time.
Okay. Staying in the Middleton area, Mary O'Keefe is on, you're on your way to London, Mary, and I think, are you in the airport at the moment? You're over to collect an award. Good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good, good. So you are the assistant manager with deals in Middleton, and you're on your way, you're on your way to London to collect a a frontline award. How did that happen? (laughs) Uh, well, I've been shortlisted for, for the award in London. Um, so it happened because my store manager and area manager at the time put me forward for it. Right. Um, so, yeah, and now here I am sitting in Dublin Airport. <laughs> Brilliant. This was after the post office burnt down in Middleton, wasn't it? We remember that. It, uh, yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. And we do different things in the shop as well, like um, donate food to different local charities and you know, through the pandemic and stuff. So, you know, just everyone pulled together. Like, You talk about it as if it was just ordinary to do these things every day, but you are going above and beyond, you know. Yeah, but it's nice to be nice. Do you know, yeah. I wouldn't, um, do you know, I, I just wouldn't think anything of it. Just do it, <laughs> do you know. Um, that's just our town is great anyway to pull together as well, you know. Yeah. People so, in Middleton are brilliant. So so you just get and do it, and it's nice to be nice. And how did you feel when when Nicole and the area manager said, right, well, you're up for an award then? Um, yeah, I my heart nearly stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it is great. Do you know, it really is. It, it's an honour to be put forward for it. Um, the team I work with, they're fabulous. They're very good. And there's two of them sitting here now next to me. <laughs> well, it's, it's a Frontline Retail Hero Award recognising retail staff who went above and beyond. You're done up to the nines, yeah. I believe. You're all the time. Um, yeah, not, not at the, the moment. Not I'm just... the, the, the deals uniform, like, is, is at home in a drawer. Oh, right? no, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's washed and dried. No, not for when I get back, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no deals uniform now, this... this um, Award, so brains blinged up, are you? Um, just a tad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've the dress in the bag, and I've the terrible tan on, and yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? Get over there and enjoy <laughs> it, Mary. Exactly, and I've never been to London, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna never. really enjoy it. No, no, well, good, and a good company with me, so. Did, was it? I've my store manager Nicole and my area manager um, James. Was it? Was, so it, was it hard I'd be well sometimes minded. to keep going, Harry, during the old lockdown and stuff? Do you know, it was hard for everyone. Do you know the the lockdown and the pandemic it affected people physically and mentally. Do you know, so everyone was going through their own thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so will, will you help them through it with your work in deals? And now you're shortlisted to be recognised at a major award in the UK and congratulations on even being shortlisted and let us know how you get on and have a good night on the tiles over there. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie the lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? 
1850 715 996. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Yeah, see that space exploration story in the news. This is my favourite space exploration story of all of 2021. Captain Kirk, at the age of 90, finally going to space. Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. He gets to to go to space. New life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. To boldly go where no 90-year-old has gone before, at least. He's heading off, I think, in the next week and a bit. Heading out into outer space at the age of 90. The great William Shatner, what a legend. Speaking of legends, Mary O'Keefe is an amazing person. What you heard there on the interview is exactly what you get. She's down to earth. Middleton's so proud of her. That comes in from Gillian. And mentioning another legend... Roy Keane, as we were discussing him with Katrina Toomey in the first hour. Isn't it time Roy got the freedom of the city? Judging by the other people who have, he has a strong connection, even though he made his success abroad, and he remembers that the city contains the most humble and fragile and troubled people, and he treats them with dignity. A lot of love in the room this morning for Roy. And why not? Mags says Roy is an absolute legend. My uncle, who's profoundly deaf and has other needs, been a huge fan of his since as far back as Cove Ramblers. Way back when Roy got wind of this and has met my uncle on numerous occasions as well as bringing him to Old Trafford. Roy is pure cork. I want to read that story again to you about the wedding photographer. This is a listener, a very distressed listener who contacted us, too distressed even to go on the air. Uh, so we said we'd bring it to you someone might have come across this happening before might some, have some advice it is in the hands of the Gardaí uh, they are they've told our listener that they will investigate it they've also told us that they will investigate it and come back to us hopefully with a statement this woman got married recently paid the photographer in full and in cash they had a lovely day now they can't get the photos from the photographer. They've sent all the details in pure frustration, of course. They've sent all the details of the business to Revenue. Revenue have come back to say that they can't find any details of the business on their database. The listener has since found out now that a link to the photographs has been posted onto a photography website. She did not give her consent for that. Uh, She's wondering, is that a GDPR breach? Apart from nothing else, it's very distressing, personally. And she fears she may be the victim of some kind of a scam. Uh, she is in touch with Gardy, but is waiting for a response. We also have asked Gardy for a statement in this case. We've obviously got more details than we can broadcast. Does anybody have any advice? Or does this sound familiar to anybody else? I told you also earlier with fabulous news from our Catherine Ross Murphy, who was with me a couple of weeks ago talking about her book, Catherine's Old Time Cookbook. Wonderful, wonderful news. I'll bring you that uh, before the morning is out. 185715996. We're coming back as well to the troublesome and unreliable buses in Glenmire. People tell us about other troublesome and unreliable buses elsewhere as well. But for now, we've talked about this in the past on the Opinion Line. Ireland has one of the lowest breastfeeding rates in the world. Just 37.3% of mothers are, feeding, are breastfeeding their baby when they're released 
from hospital. It's one of the lowest in the world. We've often wondered why. This is Breastfeeding Week and Maria O'Sullivan from La Leche Breastfeeding joins me. Maria, good morning. La Leche has been around for a while now. Yes, good morning, PJ. Happy National Breastfeeding Week. And to you. Um, yes, uh, yeah, La Leche League Ireland have been around since 1966. We've been supporting and providing up-to-date, accurate information to mothers and families. Why do you think Ireland. we consistently have such a low rate of breastfeeding? I guess it's because breastfeeding isn't viewed as important. Um, I think it's viewed as, you know, normal, um, that w- there's benefits there, obviously. But then we have all the the marketing to mothers from, a, from once they're pregnant and... Um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 we don't realise the importance of breastfeeding. You know, the obviously the immunological and nutritional benefits are huge, but it, it's 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 more for society as well. Like, and I mean, that is what our National Breastfeeding Week is about. You know, feeding the future. Um, that that is the team for National Breastfeeding in Ireland. Shared responsibility. I don't know if you got an opportunity to hear. Um, our wonderful president, Michael D. Higgins, um, on Monday, he attended a webinar mm. and himself and Sabina, they addressed a webinar with uh, Baby Feeding Law Group Ireland and uh, the National Women's Council on the importance of breastfeeding. And he spoke very, as he always does, very eloquently and how important it is for our government to be promoting breastfeeding and how it could make such um, a great com- contribution to our children's health, nutrition and development mm. and the billions that could be saved in healthcare. You know, um, you consider it a public uh, health issue. The, the yes, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it is. It is a public health issue. It's 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 how our babies were meant to be fed. Mm. It's what most families do want to do for their babies. Mm. You know, most families do want to breastfeed. They just need to to be able to make an informed choice and have the right information and the right support all the way through their pregnancy. Um, and La Leche League offers that. We have lots of mothers um, attending when they're pregnant and um, getting that information. And then, you know, they have a link with us then when they do have their babies and they can come back to us either by texting us, emailing us, um, doing a one-to-one Zoom call at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, they, they know someone then. Um, I suppose the thing we're missing at the moment is pregnant mums being able to see other women breastfeeding, which yeah. is a huge support yeah. Because a lot of a lot of women haven't seen other women breastfeeding. Because, as uh, Sabina Higgins was saying, like you know, we've 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 lost the the culture of breastfeeding as well. So you know, a, a lot of women and children are not growing up seeing breastfeeding in society, which is uh, you know that that's a yeah. huge part of it as well. It's so it's important strange, to see it? It. I mean, we would consider us ourselves a modern, progressive. Uh, Northern Hemisphere country and yet mm-hmm. we've got the lowest rate or one of the lowest rates of breastfeeding in the world. The two just given that we know how good it actually is for baby mm-hmm. it, the mm-hmm. two don't seem to they don't, see, they, they don't sit well together do they? They don't but we also have um, one of the largest formula <laughs> exportations and you know dairy industry in Ireland as well like so you know if you those two don't set well together either and uh, formula is available in hospitals and yeah every every person is um you know supported to make to make, have their own personal choice like but as i said like most families do want to breastfeed mm-hmm. um it's also about our government 
recognising the importance of breastfeeding. Are you suggesting that we push formula on, on mothers? No, no, I'm not suggesting that. I mean, in England, um, in some in hospitals in England, formula wouldn't be available. The mothers would bring it in. Mm. Um, in a lot of in a lot of countries, that is how they did. Get no, no, that's what I mean, Maria. Well. I mean, are you saying that we are overly enthusiastic in our system here about formula? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, if you sit down every night uh, to watch TV at nine o'clock, you've got the formula ads coming in. Like we can't say that marketing doesn't work. It does work. Mm. Marketing, you know, makes you feel a certain way. Um, and like I mean. You know, you, you can say that formula is just as good as breast milk, and that's what the, that's where the line comes down to. Like, but I mean, formula is based on breast milk, yeah. so basically they're just trying to recreate a product that we all, as you know, uh, women and our babies have have a right to be fed. Like, I mean, what would happen in the animal kingdom if we stopped? all the animal mothers feeding their babies naturally. That's a good point. Has the pandemic made it more difficult for you as an organisation to offer your services? Well, I guess we had to do um, a big a big turn and move on to Zoom. Um, but it's been working really well, actually. Um, we have a lot of mothers attending our uh, meetings in Cork. We've been offering a meeting every second Friday of the month. And we have uh, a good attendance. And we've had many mothers coming back to us since they had their babies in March 2020 who have continued on with us and who have continued to offer support to the new mothers coming in and uh, reassuring the pregnant mothers, you know, about um, what's happening in hospitals. Um, so uh, we have virtual meetings happening all over the country. We have an All-Ireland meeting happening every Thursday where um, mothers can attend from anywhere. Um, and 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 court meeting is open to mothers attending from anywhere as well. We've had mothers attending from the UK, even grannies contacting their daughters to make sure they get support. Grandmothers right. are great for contacting as well. Um, so, um, and yeah. we're hoping, you know, uh, you know, in the next couple of months to move back to face to face meetings. And you know, it's so important to be able to sit in a room with mothers and. Yeah. Uh, hear them and for them to hear they're doing a great job and um, whatever is happening will pass where, and where other can, mothers reassuring them. Where can people contact you Contact you if they'd like to find out more, Maria? Um, so they can contact me directly if they want to um, be added to our emailing list. Um, I think you have my number there if you want to um, give it out and my email address. And then there's La Leche League uh, of Ireland uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we're on Twitter. Okay. Um, yeah. I think you have, uh, I, I sent in the press release, so you should have all those details. Yeah, we have the, all, the we have all those that. details, and we'll certainly circulate them uh, to mark uh, National Breastfeeding Week, which runs until the 7th of October. Uh, com is the website. Ireland. L-A-L-E-C-H-E. Uh, leagueireland.com they're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Maria, thank you 1850 The listener who hasn't received her wedding pictures should consider contacting the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission who have a record of complaints, who may have a record of complaints against the same company and can provide advice. Thanks. That's from Adam. Why doesn't she download the wedding photos off the link she found? Well, she could I suppose, but the point is she never gave consent in the first place 
for them to be linked on that day or on, on that website. So her big problem is she never told the photographer. Yeah, of course you can put them on that website. Never did. So now she's very upset that they're there. And as I say, we, we have more information than we can share. And she's very upset with some of the photographs that were put up there. But thank you for that. Uh, yes, I should have remembered this. Uh, Roy already got the freedom of the city, Patrick says. I was at it the same day as Sonia O'Sullivan in 2005. Crikey, I should remember that. Uh, memory not what it was. 1850-715-996. On Onakura. I was just listening to you talking about mental health. In addition to this, the mental health daycare centre was closed in January 2020 and has not opened since. The HSE blamed COVID, but it hasn't opened at all during any period. And people that are attending the mental health daycare centre are still waiting for it to open. Government said they're committed to mental health. Well, this is an example the government isn't. Two years now in January, nothing's been done. It's a disgrace and the local TDs need to do a lot more to get this mental health daycare centre open immediately. We've asked the HSE for a statement. We know there's a daycare centre connected to Onokura. We knew that it was closed. We knew that COVID was being blamed. But even when COVID, shall we say, was when the restrictions were eased, it still didn't open. What we do know also, though, is that so good was the COVID protocols in Onokura in a building that's not fit for purpose, that there wasn't a single case. And they're very proud of that down there, that the residents and the staff and the families, there was no case of COVID in Onokura over the last year and a bit. 1850-715-996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Just a, a mental health call before we move on. Uh, by the way, what I'm about, about to move on to is the fascinating history of the Jewish community in Cork. I was in my... I had the, the daughter in my car... Uh, maybe, what, a couple of weeks ago now, and we were driving through what we Corkonians call Jewtown. And I said, there you go, There's this place is called Jewtown around here. She goes, what, Jewtown? I said, yeah, never heard of it. Jewtown. Uh, and it's a very historic part of Cork. Focus on that in just a sec. But people are a lot more aware now of mental health, partly down to celebrities telling their stories. What more can we do? Everything means finance, so we support and encourage the government to do that. But I really think there are things that could be integrated into the education system. I know they do yoga and stuff and uh, other bits and pieces. But I mean, questioning your behavior, learning coping skills and insights into your own condition. You won't prevent or cure the problem because you never will. But you can prevent it becoming a big problem because that's often the only time people realize they have an issue is in their teens or their 20s. Or their 30s. I think the, the call there is saying, look, let us teach children in school how to watch out for the danger signs in their own mental health and deal with it and build resilience in them in school, build understanding of their mental health in school. Couldn't hurt. 1850-715-996. Yeah, so recently we were driving through um, just the area of the city known as Jewtown. And I happened to mention it to my daughter. 
this is this place is called Jew Town. She goes, is it dead? She said, would that be? Would the Jews not be offended by that? And I, I never thought of it that way. Um, but it's a very small community in Cork now. There's only about twenty households. At one point, there would have been a few hundred Jewish families in Cork. I remember a famous man called the Lord Mayor, Mr. Goldberg. Uh, he had been a solicitor, I think, and went to be Lord Mayor. And I remember being told about Jewtown, which is in around Hibernian buildings down there near the old gasworks. If if you know the part, it's near the Elysian. If you walk across from the Elysian and go down to the little houses there, and you'll see a beautiful place called Shalom Park, that's that's Jewtown. Uh, Ruti Lax, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. To ask a question in these woke and enlightened times of ours, is the term Jewtown considered in any way offensive or is it just part of Cork culture at this stage? It's part of Cork culture, but if you tell people from outside of Ireland that the, there's a place in Cork called Jewtown, people do react because it does sound odd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not there, to us here because we're, you know, as, as long as I, I'm, I'm Jewish and I'm yeah. used to hearing it being, you know, called Jewtown. But I think people from outside, they kind of, you know, they would react surprised, kind of like, is that, you know, an insulting term? But it, it's not. I yeah. mean, I think Cork people called it Jewtown because that's where a lot of the Jewish people lived back in the day. That's simply what it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me a little about it. Are, are the history of Jewtown, how it came to be, how there came to be a Jewish community in Cork City in the first place? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people that I have, have met who live there or who had ancestors from there would call the area Hibernian buildings mm. more than Jewtown. So I suppose for, for Jewish people, they might not have called it Jewtown, but it might have been more the locals that called it that. But... Um, how it came to be, those houses were very small and I guess that they were cheap to rent. And when people from Lithuania and Belarus, um, Eastern Europe, came to Ireland uh, late 1800s, that was a place where they could rent houses and... Um, you know, to, to rent in the city centre more would, I suppose, have been more expensive. Um, so, and you know, a lot of people that came came with nothing mm. or with very little. So um, that was where people rented at first. And um, then, of yes. course, as people became more affluent, they'd have moved to other areas of the yeah. city. So already, you know, by... 1920, 1930, there probably would have been very few people, just some of the older people left yeah. living in that area. At one point, um, at one point, I believe it was almost entirely Yiddish speaking down in Herodian buildings, was it? <laughs> so I think, yeah, well, people would have been speaking Yiddish coming over, but I mean, a lot of... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think there might have been 30 or 40 Jewish houses, but m- most of the houses... W- you know, at its height, but most of the houses would also have been Catholic local people, um, you know, from Cork. Um, yeah. So it wouldn't have been all Jewish in that area. It was a mix. Yeah. Um, and I was very proudly shown a picture of the hurling team, which was Protestant, Catholic and Jewish back in the day, 1940s or yeah. so. The, the history um, is is fascinating. The synagogue, unfortunately, yeah. closed in in 2016. So where, I mean, I know, I, know, I know it's a small Jewish community now, but where, where do you meet to pray? Yeah, so the community now, I mean, you mentioned 20 households and really I suppose that's probably in the whole county of Cork at this stage or it might be a few more households than that. But within uh, the city itself, there are very few. So we were um, not meeting very often to pray um, but before lockdown uh, sometimes for the high holy days that's Jewish New Year in Yom Kippur we would be renting a room in Brew Kalambanas um, and then actually there have been more uh, services during lockdown because we could meet on Zoom Yes, which allowed people to you know to join from the comfort of their own home. And because we're so scattered, because there's members of the Jewish community now that are living like all over Munster, really, that are part of the, the current community. So it's, yeah, you know, to have a central place in the city would mean massive traveling for yeah. everybody. Um, yeah. I remember visiting the, the synagogue, just wandering in to look at it as, as a small boy, and it was a beautiful place inside. Very sad to, to see it close. Talk to me about... Uh, green feather boa, Ruthie, which is kind of a, a celebration of the history, isn't it? I'd like to talk about green feather boa because I'm not really a historian. I'm a musician and um, I play Jewish music and jazz and a few trad tunes and um, a lot of different things. And I've been playing for years, but I decided to write a musical play um, set in Cork in the Jewish community. And, um, yeah, I suppose as I started writing it and researching it, I called it Great Grandma's Story at the beginning, just for a working title. But as I was uh, researching it and writing and, you know, the creative juices were flowing, um, the the storyline came to include a random green feather boa, which then became the name of the the musical play. It's a great Um, name, must say. very much it's been really fun so it's a story of three generations of women and the men in their lives and you know the um growing up jewish in cork um through a couple of generations and yeah people's experiences people's 
relationships with the politics of the country. um, The timeline of the play is from 1915 to 1955. So it's quite extensive. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, fun fun songs and kind of history and politics and culture and fantasy as well. You've had to build it up, of course, under the restrictions of COVID. So so that that, that made things interesting. Really interesting because we were going to be performing a part of the play as part of Cork Midsummer Festival and we were all lined up in 2020 to put it on in Nano Nagel Place and um, uh, the the alternative bread company had agreed to bake us this massive challah, you know, the Jewish platted loaf. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that would be on Friday night. So we were that was going to be one of our props, um, and we were all set up and lined up with five actor singers and musicians, and then COVID happened. So everything was rejigged, and yeah, we did a lot of reworking the play with Katrina Foley, who's a, a dramaturg and director, um, and with Tom Doyle. He wrote musical arrangements for the songs, so we were all able to do those things in our own homes and with Zoom meetings and so on. Mm. And then when things opened up... Now that we can start, now that we can start to go out again and go to theatres again, (laughs) any chance we might see it on stage? Because I think I'd love to. Oh, I'm absolutely hoping that, you know, we'll go to full production in, let's say, 2023, but um, obviously to put on a musical play is a massive production. And... I'm just a musician, so, um, and really, you know, that's part of why, you know, it's going to be on a, at an online festival this Sunday, and um, I'll be sort of talking about it and trying to get myself a producer somewhere mm. in the world that will produce this play, because I think it's of interest outside of Ireland as well. People are very interested in the Irish-Jewish story. Yes, um, it's, it's, a, fasc- world it's a fascinating story. It's a all over the world. I mean, you know, I've been contacted from Canada and um, America and Israel and Isle of Man and, you know. Okay. Well, Scotland. we look forward to when you can actually put it on stage. Do let us know when you can and when it might happen. Uh, look forward to seeing it and look forward to hearing more about it. Ruti Lacks, the writer of uh, Green Feather Boa, written in lockdown, written during COVID, about the history of the Cork Jewish community, uh, charting the life and loves, as it were, of three generations of Jewish women between 1915 and the 1950s. 50s people who lived in Jewtown, which thankfully it is not considered offensive. It is just where they lived, which is I, I wanted to clear that up because people get offended at anything these days. But let's put that one to bed. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Bit of a change or a bit of a, a follow on to a story we spoke about on the opinion line a few weeks back. That was about the coroner's court. We've remarked it ourselves, uh, covering the coroner's court uh, with Moraid and indeed previously with Fiona. We haven't actually had a coroner's court in Cork now properly for quite some time. And I spoke to a family recently very much uh, discommoded by that. Been some follow-on in the Doyle. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. 
lcmig.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The Colino Quartet was formed at the West Cork Chamber Music Festival in 1999 and have gone on to enjoy a hugely successful international career. Their program includes Debussy's Magnificent String Quartet, which they'll perform this Saturday night at Tristel Christchurch. Access all areas. An evening of traditional and folk music will be accompanied by the Cork Opera House Concert Orchestra on the second night of the Right Here, Right Now Festival, offering up some of the very best in our dynamic folk scene. John Spillane and Junior Brother will come together for the evening, which takes place on Saturday, November 13th. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Interesting call to the opinion line or a message over the last day or two with regard to confirmations and communions. We know they're all being rescheduled at the moment. They're on every weekend now. I was at a confirmation and a communion myself in the one weekend a week or two ago, all rescheduled and some of them rescheduled three or four times. It's an interesting one. I'll get to it in a while. Still a few suggestions coming in as to what that woman does who is very um, worried about what her photographer has done. She, she feels she's been scammed because she paid the photographer up front and now she can't get the pictures and now the pictures are up on the website and all of that. And Revenue have no record of the of the photographer. We'll follow that one up. But a reminder to you to join Trevor Welsh for Premier League Live Saturdays from midday on 96fm.ie, powered by Talk Sport. Pre-match analysis, live commentary, exclusive interviews and post-match breakdowns. It's brought to you by Now Your Sport on Your Terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with Now and listen to Premier League Live on Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Let us return to the discussion we had in the last hour about bus services in Glenmire. This is the 214, which is unreliable, so people say down there. Contacted by Robert. Robert, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Good morning. You, you wanted to um, make a, 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 your own point about the bus services in that area. Yeah, it's uh, just to follow on what they were saying on the, the Mums of Glanmire, um, it's, it's very, very bad. Like, they're on a Friday, they're almost guaranteed to be waiting an hour um, at two o'clock. It, it, I'm living a little bit out from, from Glanmire and I'm not in Nakraha, um, but it's uh, the 214 goes out there several times a day, uh, you know, on top of um, Glanmire. And it's, it's, it's like my friend of mine there in Nakraha herself, she was waiting yesterday uh, 45 minutes. Um, and she's she's pregnant and she's 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 a buggy like and right. I, it's not going to work during during the winter you know the, the rain and the weather is going to ramp the, the 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 trouble up like what what's the the timetable like for out there because I think some of the mums I had on before ten were saying well the timetable on paper looks great but in reality yeah. it's not being delivered yeah it was it was every half an hour but now it's it's supposedly every twenty minutes. And I think in the midweek it, 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 it can be okay, but um, you know it, it, you're just not guaranteed that the things will show up. Like one time, I was to get a bus from Glanmire out to Nakraha, and um, the driver came in, and it, it said Nakraha on the on the front of the bus, and he said uh, he said he apologised, but but that route has just been cancelled. So he, he he was due to go out there, and he'd been cancelled a couple of minutes before. He was to go out there, and I was like, what, what, "Jesus, what am I to do?" You know? Yeah, yeah. Why are you? I mean, I understand you use a wheelchair, so what are you to do? 
I do, yeah. And during the winter, it'll be, uh, you know, it's going to be a huge problem. And and wheelchair taxis in Cork are are, are are useless now. They used to be, they were way better 20 years ago, but they're, you just can't get them now, you know? Hang on. The wheelchair taxi service was better 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Much, much better, yeah. <sighs> Right, right. We'll get back to that another day. But but what yeah. t- like the last bus out your way is half six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know we we're hoping to maybe the bus there and at some stage we'll add on a later one as well because I mean in terms of social life, getting into the city and stuff, uh, you know a lot of people in Macra and it's it's getting very built up now. And um, we need a later bus, you know, and and, and there's no Sunday service either for Macra. So that seems mad. I mean, why why cut off? Is there a Sunday service from Dan Meyer? Uh, yeah, yeah, you come to Glanmire and into Cork, of course. So why not run the rest of the route? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be brilliant. That's a bit mad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, as I said, the the mums of Glanmire have asked Boss Aaron for more information, um, and we've asked Boss Aaron for more information, so we'll see what comes of that. Robert, uh, thank you for getting in touch. Also, Charlie, you're in, in Kilcully. Morning to you. Hi PJ, how are you doing? Good, good, good. No bus service up there. Hang on, is there still no bus going up to White's Cross? Uh, well, I, I can't speak for specifically White's Cross. I believe there. I believe, as far as I know, there isn't. But I'm I'm over in Kilcully, hmm. uh, and you know, a couple of years ago there, we were brought into the city. We we were county, like for. For you know, previous. Oh and yes, we're now after, after the last local city. elections, yeah, yeah. And we have no bus at all. Um, we we um, th- there there used to be a reg- a kind of a regular ish bus service going to Carrick Navarre, yeah, which would pass along there up Dublin Hill, out past uh, the Black Man Pub, and then out to Carrick Navarre. But that's after being rerouted through Whitechurch. Because right. uh, I, I don't know, maybe they deemed there was more people out there. But we we have a huge population in Kilcolly now. There's Rosemount, there's many houses, and you you have St Catherine Cemetery yeah. up there. You have yeah. the soccer St Mary's Soccer Club. Uh, there's a bringing by sales going on there all the time. There's plenty, uh, there's plenty of life out in Kilcolly. You think at least stop. one uh, regular bus would? Yeah. Nothing. Well, PJ, I tell you now, I'd say the the, the Deadwood Stagecoach. Going, going, going to uh, Dodge City would have been more frequent than, than the character of our bus. Now, I believe it's only from what I know now. It's only once a week on a Wednesday. <laughs> when the wind, when the know, wind is nobody, coming from the south, I know nobody uses it because they can't depend on a once a week bus. You know, you know, Charlie, isn't that the gas thing too? We, we've the Greens in government telling yeah. us about public transport. We have the climate change people telling us we have to get out of the car and into the bus and into the train. Uh, tell you, what? Yeah, I tell you bus? I'm, train. Down lower, I'm down at the lower end of that road towards the bridge there. There's a stone bridge at the bottom of the Kilcolly Road. Yeah. And from my house to the main road there, there's about 18 cars. And like they all have to be used all the time because you, you, there's no bus to catch. Uh, you have to go over to Kinvara to get a bus. Mm. Uh, the two o seven, and last year, Joe Kavanagh, the um, the mayor, promised the community that the bus that bus would be extended out. All it has to do was come out a few more stops and maybe loop around by the stirrup yeah. uh, at White's Cross there by Henry. Oh, but you know yourself now, Charlie. Ah, uh, sure. Like, come out a few more stops and loop around by the stirrup. That practically has to be cleared by the United Nations. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> 
I, I think it's on the agenda, their agenda for their next uh, conference in uh, Malta or somewhere. I remember when they were trying, they were extending the two twenty uh, out to, out to Ballincollig. You know, yeah, and there was yeah. a very logical stop, yeah. another like four hundred yards. Yes, and they couldn't. And, oh yeah. God, the Pope had to intervene. Do you I know. know. It was just, we're in the same boat now, I'd say, and they're they're actually finally surveying on the road at the moment this week for to put foot footpath and lighting in that road oh, uh, after years, decades oh. nearly of requests. So they're finally making a budget mm-hmm. for it. But this this bus is another thing now, and we're part of the city. Like we're not. Oh, yeah. Let me let me, let me actually, on the subject of having to get it cleared by the UN or the Pope. Mm-hmm. The, the difficulty actually leave it there, Charlie. Thanks. The difficulty yeah, actually okay. is is the the uh, NTA councillor John Maher. John, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are things? Good. How are you? It is the NTA, and God, the United Nations might be easier. It, I, oh, it is. And look, PJ, it's, it's very frustrating, most importantly for the residents. Like, I mean, I, I know them well, and, and they're well able to speak for themselves, but Kilcully is less than three kilometres from the city centre. And we do not have a bus service for them. And that, that expands out to White Cross and up to Upper Glanmire. And three years ago, this was an issue. Ten years ago, this was an issue. Uh, Ross Allard up in, in Upper Glanmire was built 30 years ago with the promise of a bus service. You know, the people bought the houses on the plan to think there'd be a bus service there. There's not. And um, yes, you know, you can share people's frustrations then when we hear about the climate crisis that we have and when we realise that we must cut our, the carbon emissions. But there's no bus there. How are these people meant to get into town to do their business, to get to college, to get to work? Um, and it is frustrating, and, and like again, we'll hear it, oh, it's coming. Last year, um, just before COVID, it was probably, it was June in 20, uh, 2019, I think, um, or September 2019, we got Anne Graham to come down from the NTA. First time ever, mm. um, one of my motions was asked her to come down. We were assured that, you know, the bus connects and the CMATs and all this. But again, three years on, and there's very little... Uh, done for these communities, um, you know, which is very frustrating. Now, through my colleagues on Sherlock, we've we've asked the minister, can we look at a local link? Mm. Um, which again, you know, because uh, we, we're out of options in the sense of, of you know, Bus Aaron will tell you they don't have funding from the NTA that Bus Connects will look into this. But I mean, Bus Connects is about improving a network. Yeah. It's not about establishing one. You know what I mean? These communities have been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I think now it's time that we, we get something done and okay. uh, and it has to come from national government. You know, I mean, I can, I can come in all the time and, and ring you and say it, but the bottom line is our hands are tied. We send in the questions. We ask for Anglins to come down to address Cork City Council and then we're getting the answers, oh, Bus Connects, CMAT. Yeah, that needs to happen. The the, the decision cannot be made locally. You might have a thanks, John, for that, Councillor John Maher of the Labour Party. You could have all the cooperation you want locally from the bus drivers, and there's no bus driver will disagree with you when it says when you say Kilcully needs a bus service, Robert needs a better service out in Nakraha. You know, the people in Glenmire need a better bus service for their kids to go to school and college. Nobody inside Bus Aaron will disagree with you, but it's. Up there. Up there. National NTA. They're the ones you've got to convince. And they're the ones you've got to... Because they tell the bus where it can go. 
Like, if you want to extend a bus tour, I was amazed. My, my buddy, Kieran Delaney, is brilliant with this. And I'm name-checking him because his understanding of it is phenomenal. Like, if you want the bus to go another 100 yards, right, the National Transport Authority has to authorise that so the bus Aaron can make it happen. Dennis, we can fly again, but you've still got one of these famous vouchers and you're chasing it around. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Nice to talk to you again. PJ, yes, you or your listeners might be able to help me on this one. And I'll keep, make it very quick. Uh, our first flight was in the 27th of August, 2020, to Orlando. Right. So we were given the option of paying like 400 euros or paid the full amount. So I went with paying the full amount with Visa. Right. That flight was cancelled. Okay. So I used my voucher then on June 2021 to book that flight. And that subsequently was cancelled as well. Right. So, so then I said, listen, can you give me my money back now? And they said, no, no, you've gone down the voucher road now and you have to stick with the voucher. You, you were flying with Aer Lingus, I think. Aer Lingus, yeah. And they said, no, no, you've chose the voucher road, so we're not giving back any money. Okay, no big deal. I was going to use it sometime. America was closed. So the next thing anyway, they say... Uh, I said, well, okay, can you reissue another voucher, so please? So they said, yep, we, we can do that, no problem. So time moves on until now, when America has opened up, and I'm getting emails every day about uh, book your flight to America using Aer Lingus. Yeah. So, so I said, fair enough, sure, look, at, I'll put in the, original, the, the only voucher number I have and make my booking, I want to make my booking down to Orlando. Yeah. I wouldn't accept that. It says that that has expired. So I got on to somebody and they said, no, no, you used that voucher in 2021. Yeah, but I said the flight now was cancelled, so I couldn't use it. So they said, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll, uh, we will organise that. I heard no more. Uh, then rang Dublin. I got a very nice lad in Dublin. And uh, yeah, well, listen, I'll put in your request again. I've now two weeks have gone by. I've heard nothing again. It's like the ad from Carlsberg. Do you remember that ad long ago where the office and this fellow opens up and there's all cobwebs inside? <laughs> you know, and the phone, you can't pick up the phone. It's, it's nearly glued to the table. I think I'm actually dealing with one of those departments because I can't, I can't make any progress on this, like, you know, and I'm just wondering uh, for advice from somebody. Right. So you're you're now trying to use... One of the yeah. vouchers that you were yeah. issued during the yeah. pandemic when there were no flights going and yeah. you can't get to use it and they've charged you a surcharge because the voucher has expired, but how can it expire because you didn't use it and you're trying yeah. to get it sorted and you're trying to get onto a human being. Dennis, thanks for that. We'll see if anybody can come up with anything because that's one of the best ones I've heard in a while. He has the voucher, he's trying to use it and he's chasing himself around the world to get an opportunity. Anybody able to help Dennis? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. We were tearing busy this morning in response to some stuff we've been talking about. Uh, Boss Aaron 
in particular and the route issues around the place. It's not just the 214 people bringing up with complaints about other routes too. Just on crime, Paul Byrne tweeting at the moment, Paul Byrne of Virgin Media tweeting that a search is underway for a man who put a knife to a taxi driver's throat and robbed a sum of money in Ballyvalan this morning. Uh, we've asked Guy the for a statement on that. When we know more, so will you. But Paul from Virgin Media, uh, some thug took a knife to a taxi driver this morning, held the knife to his throat, robbed money around Ballyvalan. As soon as we find out more, so will you. 1850-715-996. want you to think about something. How would you feel about nuclear power if the government decided that in order to ease our emissions, ease our dependence on fossil fuels and use a more clean, sustainable way of generating electricity, that we would go nuclear. Supposing that was to happen, how would you feel about it? There's a lobby group, fairly experienced and qualified lobby group now, calling on the government to at least look at that option. I'll talk to them in a while. On breastfeeding and la leche, um, let's not forget as the media often does, that there are good reasons, physical and mental, that some mums choose not to breastfeed. It is not the best solution for everyone. Well, I agree with you, listener. There are some people who simply cannot or simply do It's not feasible for them. Uh, don't think the media is pushing breastfeeding on anybody, though. At least I don't. I certainly could not be accused of that and just often wondered why... We've got such a low rate of it in this country compared to the rest of the world. On buses, Tracy says, Hi PJ, I put in loads of complaints into bus Aaron. Not heard anything back. This one's about the 207 not turning up or coming too early at the Kilbarry stop on Dublin Hill and then sitting at Glen Heights for 20 minutes. Saturday, I waited 55 minutes for a bus. I've now started walking into town, which is great when it's not raining, but a disaster when it is. And also on the phone, we decided to take the Carrigan Line Ballincollig Orbital Bus, I presume this is the 220, to see what it's like. So we said we'd get on in Carrigan Line and go all the way around and see if there were interesting places we could go to or shop in along the route. Two and a half hours, we'd have been in Dublin. Never again. It is a bit slow. 1850-715-996. I'll bring you that thing about Holy Communions, which I'm holding over purely for a space of where I'm going to put it in. Uh, do that if we can before the hour. Also, um, they're saying here, Ibeck there spoofing on about, oh, it's not possible to do a four-day week. It wouldn't be feasible. It wouldn't be this. It wouldn't. They're doing it all over the world, Ibeck. There's companies doing it all over the world and already starting to do it all over Ireland. I remember uh, Dennis Sweeney, the solicitor, was on at me in September. We'll, we'll, we'll let you hear that. In a while. But this group calls itself Nuclear Power Ireland 1840. And they say there's no credible plan in Ireland to get to net zero emissions by 2050. And this group wants a citizens' assembly to consider using nuclear energy. It is illegal at the moment to use nuclear power in Ireland to develop nuclear power in this country. And this group is now trying to put pressure on the Minister for the Environment, Eamon Ryan, to at least explore it as an option uh, to lessen our requirement 
for fossil fuels. Uh, Dennis Duff represents the group 18 for Zero. Morning, Dennis. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You see, the thing about nuclear energy is people are afraid of it, Dennis, because we hear, you know, you mentioned nuclear power and people think Chernobyl, Fukushima, Three Mile Island, wind scale, and they are afraid of it. Oh, absolutely. I can I can understand that. It's a very real fear for people to be to be afraid of something that is you can't see and you've got little experience of. Um, but if, if I could just come back for one second, PJ, to what you were saying earlier about uh, how would you feel if the Irish government decided to look at you know, to, to install nuclear energy? Well, we're a long, 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 long way away from that at the moment because the Irish government, in fact, has refused to look at nuclear. It won't even look and see is there any chance that maybe it could be useful for us. And we think that's a wrong policy. And that's really what we're at in 18 for zero. We're not a nuclear lobby group. Um, we're an advocate for, for having a clean, a credible clean energy policy. And we just think that one doesn't exist at the moment. And if it, from listening to, to the news there just a, just a moment ago, you were saying about that there's a chap on a, a TD and he was talking about high energy prices and the possibility that people could die from energy shortage. And this isn't just a remote possibility. There was a severe energy shortage in Texas in the United States in February of this year, which has the most renewable energy concentration of anywhere in the United States. And 200 people died as a result of the energy shortage. So this is a really critical issue that we have reliable and affordable clean energy. And nuclear is a really difficult topic. Nobody wants to discuss nuclear. It, like We prefer not to just let the government go on and and produce their, 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 their programs and just let us have clean, reliable and affordable energy. But it's just not happening that way. Why I'm do not you sure think people listeners... don't want to talk about nuclear? I would suggest to you Chernobyl and the like. They don't want to know about it because they see what happened over there in 1986 and they live in mortal dread and fear that something like that could happen here. Yes, I can. I can understand that. I can understand that certainly. Um, but it's it's partly to do with the fact that it's 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 a difficult topic. It's a long term topic, and we are more programmed as, as as individuals to think more short term. But to look at at, at at Chernobyl for a second, it was a dreadful nuclear accident, and it should never have happened. Um, but the, 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 the Chernobyl design was a design that would never be acceptable in the West, and was never right. built like that in the West. And the operation of it could never happen in the West. Right. Um, it's it's a bit like saying, for instance, that uh, we can't have an Irish Sea ferry because look at what happened to Titanic. The situation has completely changed with nuclear energy. The the the, the nuclear energy d- the designers never designed like they did in the Soviet Union anywhere ever again. We never did it like that in the West, and we would never operate like that. But there's been huge improvements in in, in how the plants are designed and operated ever mm-hmm. since, and also the secret to new nuclear for Ireland is the fact that much smaller reactors are now becoming available and it's really we think in Ireland's interest to have a look mm. and see would it be better to put in some of these rather than go down the current road yeah, but we think our policy of just sticking our head in the sand is not really I was talking really to Dr Paul policy. Dean an energy researcher earlier in the week and yes. I brought up the subject of nuclear with him and, and he was saying that building a reactor in Ireland is probably too expensive for the size of the economy uh, well, not really. Now, I know Paul, and Paul's a really good uh, energy researcher and an excellent communicator. Um, but if you take, for instance, one of the small reactors that they're trying to build in Estonia, 
which is a European Union nation up in the Baltics, about the same size as Ireland. And they're trying to install uh, a small modular reactor. It'll cost around about 1 billion euros. That's 1,000 million euros, which sounds like a lot. But when you consider that earlier in the year, um, there was a plan announced for offshore wind on the west of Ireland and a hydrogen facility, um, which is going to cost 5 billion euros. And the Minister for Energy came on the following day to, to offer his support for it and said that we'll need another 25 of these. So that's 130 billion euros for part of the solution, mm. um, whereby the, the, um, the privately funded small modular reactor is coming in at 1 billion. And, and, and just as a matter of interest, if you have a capital project of 130 billion euros, the maintenance of that are even 1% per year is 1.3 billion just to maintain it. Yeah. And if it's going to last 20 years, you've got a 6 billion euro replacement cost every year. <laughs> that's, that's three children's hospitals just to maintain, just to stay still. Yeah. So energy is, and energy infrastructure is very expensive. Yeah. But our research, and in fact the research that Paul Dean has done, has shown that electricity prices for the customer are much cheaper when you include a dispatchable low carbon technology like nuclear, rather than just going 100% renewables, which is our current plan. Yeah. 100% renewable is is the ideological best practice, I guess, for, for reducing our carbon. But compared to, say, gas or compared to, say, uh, oil-fired electricity, where does nuclear come in in terms of its emissions and its cleanliness? Oh, well, that's the secret to it, isn't it? But um, we all know coal and peat are filthy and oil is dirty as well. And people call uh, gas uh, a low-carbon transition fuel. But it's nothing like it. In fact, gas is half as dirty in emissions, carbon emissions, as coal, and it's over half the emissions of oil. Now, that means it's lower, so it's a help, but it's not the solution. So that's why even the Irish policy is to go 100% renewables. But AirGrid, yesterday, were on, on, they were talking to the, the Dáil Committee, and they said we'll need an extra 2,000 megawatts of new gas generation over and above what we have at the moment by 2030, just to keep the lights on. And although our policy is to try and get 100% renewables eventually, sensible countries like France mm. are deciding the opposite is the, tr- is, is, is the way to go, is to concentrate on dispatchable, low-carbon and safe nuclear energy. So, so Dennis, I mean, if, 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 gas is, if gas is, and this is my own coining of a phrase, if, if gas <laughs> is the cleanest of a dirty lot, how yes. does nuclear compare? Okay. Well, just to put some figures on it, if you're looking at emissions per unit of electricity, say coal is around 900 units, oil is about 700, gas is nearly 500, and nuclear is about 12. 12? Yes, about the same as wind energy. That's and, pretty uh, close to zero, so, let's face it. Well, that's why it's called a zero emissions technology. Uh, even solar PV is low, is low carbon, but it's like 48 or 50. So nuclear, that's why France and other countries are looking, are installing more and more nuclear, is to achieve zero carbon society. Back it's, in the it's 60s, shocking, isn't it? Observation made by a caller on the phone here who said back in the 60s, the government did some extensive research into nuclear energy and the overriding fear was that it would somehow get into the hands of, of a terrorist and, and now, isn't that even a more relevant fear than it was back then? Well, look, it's, it's, it's a very remote possibility, but it's extremely unlikely. Yeah. 
There's if uh, like how would they get in? What would they do with it? Like what would they do with the fuel? There's there are much easier ways for terrorists to interfere with society than to make a dirty nuclear bomb. They have never done it. They've never they've never tried it because it is really really difficult to do. Uh, it would take almost government level of uh, research and investment. If people got in and stole, you know, spent fuel, for instance, they they wouldn't get far without having not just the security on the backs, but uh, a very high dose of radiation from fresh fuel that would cause them almost certain death within a certain period of time because they'd have to carry it away in their car or their jeep or whatever they were. The, the, so other, the other question that will come into people's minds now, and look, we're a long way away from even having a discussion yeah. about it, as you said, but let us put ourselves into the position that we could have maybe one of these little small um, generators in the country. We are facing down the barrel of electricity and gas going through the roof price-wise. Yes. And that was yes. going to affect an awful lot of people on low incomes and fixed incomes. They're going to struggle through this winter and winters to come. Would bringing yes. nuclear into the market help in that regard? Yes, it absolutely would. Our own research shows that having a proportion of nuclear after 2030 would reduce the wholesale price of electricity by around 40% rather than going just with a 100% renewable solution. Now, these figures are based on international international data. Now, it, it's our own research, but they're open to scrutiny. Um, and remember, PJ, that the only thing worse than expensive electricity is no electricity. And we're coming painfully short. We have a situation whereby we, um, our, our energy policy appears to be in a little bit of disarray at the moment. In the last few months, we've heard that, oh, we need emergency generation or else you might have shortages. And then shortly afterwards, we say, no, we don't need emergency generation. And then we have a 70% renewable energy program, and I believe it's just been changed, which is really difficult to achieve. And I believe it's now going to be changed to 80%. And it, it appears that it's possible if people are just making fi- taking figures out of the air. Um, and like it, 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 it doesn't seem that we have a credible solution as regards how are we actually going to say by the mid 2030s how are we going to power our society in a way that's affordable and reliable energy, mm-hmm. um, and that's clean the enough other, to the, meet the, our emissions targets. The other question, I guess, is that we are also being asked to get rid of our petrol and diesel and even our hybrid cars over the next number of years, and for there to be a million. A million electric cars on the road by 2030. Now, even if that were possible, and the motor trade itself will tell you that it's not, if you were to plug them all in to charge, you couldn't boil the kettle. So would nuclear be a solution for that? Of course. Because nuclear is the only low-carbon dispatchable power source that's available at the moment. Look, it's not, it's not easy. It won't be easy to, 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 to go nuclear in Ireland and it won't, be, it won't be quick. It will take between 12 and 15 years. But there is no low-carbon solution that's going to be any faster. Right. So it's something that we really have to start looking at now if we're going to have a chance to have the clean energy in 2035 even. And in order to do that, we must drop the law. We must drop the law that bans nuclear because it's ridiculous. It, um, it doesn't stop us using nuclear because we get it through the interconnectors, but it just stops us having using our own nuclear. Okay, okay. The, 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 very predictable questions coming in. Please ask your guest how much it costs to remove and store the spent and used uranium 
for the 1,000 years of its radioactive life. And another one that says, nuclear sounds grand and cheap until you figure in decommissioning and what to do with the waste. Uh, even the lower waste plants of the future produce proton effect wastes that still need special handling. This will be like plastic. Everyone will be all on board until suddenly it's impossible to get rid of it. Is waste as big an issue as it used to be? Uh, no, uh, in short. Um, we know that of all the reasons subject to nuclear energy, waste is the most popular, but it's the least valid. Of all power generation technologies, nuclear is the only one that has actually managed to store all of its radioactive waste, all of its waste from start to finish. The cost of managing that waste and disposing of the waste and of decommissioning the power station is built into the price of, of energy from the nuclear power station and it still provides energy that's cheap enough for over 30 countries to think it's a good idea to continue with it. But, but where does it um, go though, Dennis? I mean, well, the, okay. core in, the core in Chernobyl is still hot. like No. Um, so, the... The waste, um, where does it go? First of all, uranium comes from the ground. It's a metal. So what we what they do is they make it into they they concentrate it, and when the when the waste comes out of the nuclear power station, they put it into a cooling pond like a swimming pool, where they leave it for five to ten years until it cools down, until it's safe to be removed and stored in a cask, in a big metal cask, engineered cask above ground. We could store all of Ireland's nuclear waste for all of our electricity in a building the size of the National Basketball Arena. We know where it is, it's secure, and in all the 60 years plus of nuclear energy waste, not a single person has been harmed or injured from that waste. It is the best waste from any power, from any power source. It sounds odd, but when we look at the details, you say, actually, you know, what I found out, I was down in Carnesaur as well, that, um, down in County Wexford, but what I've found out since that almost everything I thought I knew about, about nuclear and Carnesaur turned out to be wrong. Okay, leave it there for today. Uh, I did want to touch upon it, and thanks for being with us. That's uh, Dennis Duff, who represents a group called 18 for Zero. They're advocating nuclear power for Ireland, which is currently illegal under the law. I don't. They say, they say that nuclear power is a great way to deal with our climate emergency because of its low emissions, and that if you are going to get to net zero by 2050, which is what we're told we have to do save the planet then you need to bring nuclear into the mix caller says they should ban all cars in the cities it's that simple there's buses and taxis if you ban the cars there'll be more I know we need exceptions but it should be a license based system tell that to the people on the end of the 214 that we're going to ban cars in the cities <laughs> it ain't that simple tell them up in where were we up, up in Kilcully Tell them up in Lehanamore. Tell those people that we can ban all the all the cars just like that to save the planet. Ain't going to happen. Speaking of which, there's a statement has been issued to us from Bus Aaron on the Glenmire service. I'll bring it to you shortly. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Focus what you mean, got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick, Salah! 
Fernandez is going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live. With now. Join in the experience with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96fm app. Interesting political shenanigans going on. Uh, East Cork, Fianna Fáil TD James O'Connor, the youngest TD in the Dáil, is threatening to quit Fianna Fáil. What? That's the story that I think has broken here in Cork today. Daniel McConnell, a political editor of The Examiner, is tweeting, Cork East TD James O'Connor claims he was misled over the National Development Plan and has threatened to quit the party. We'll see where that goes. I think we have a call into him, but he's not at the end of the phone just yet. We got that statement, so the headphones on there... Fiona, we got that statement uh, about or from Bus Aaron about the two one four and the delays out in Glenmire and Knockraha and, and other areas. What are, what are they saying? Yes, yeah, so they've issued us with quite a lengthy statement this morning to say that they do regret the inconvenience to co- to customers and they want to apologise for that. Um, and they say that they acknowledge how frustrating it is when the bus service is not running to timetable. Um, and they say that they do try to keep to schedule at all times. But um, there have been a number of issues that have affected them in recent uh, weeks. They've said that um, this is mainly due to severe traffic congestion across various parts of the route, depending on the time of day. For example, in the city centre, typically it takes a bus three minutes to travel between Patrick Street and McCurtain Street. Over the past six weeks, it's taken um, up to 30 minutes. This is compounded by a stop-go system at Roadworks at Spur Hill, which exacerbates the situation at peak times and will be in place until the end of the year, which is not good news, obviously, for people who are using the bus service. Um, They've said as well, Bus Aaron endeavours to service the route using double-decker vehicles and Bus Aaron's Capwell Depot is due to receive additional double-decker vehicles in the coming months. So I suppose that is good news for people. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also said that they carry out daily review of their punctuality and during the day amends they amend the service to try to keep them scheduled to departure times. And if anybody does have any um, complaints um, or issues that they want to report, they can contact Bus Aaron's Customer Care at one eight fifty eight three six six one one, and that's um, operational between seven a.m. and seven p.m. Monday to Friday, and from eight a.m. to six p.m. Saturday, Sunday, and public holidays. And any advice for or um, passengers on buses can be found on busaaron.ie. Okay. All right, Fiona, thank you for that, Busaaron, issuing that statement to the opinion end this morning in response to uh, calls we had and indeed a campaign that began on the Moms of Glenmire Facebook page and uh, we were talking to them this morning. That's the statement we have. They said there's a lot of different things going on, roadworks, delays, etc., etc., etc. doesn't actually help someone standing in the rain waiting for a bus but it goes somewhere to explain why. Something else I want to update you on. The situation with regard to lengthy waits in the coroner's court. You'll remember that I was speaking to Evan last month about the stress the delay is putting on his family. They're waiting for an inquest into his brother Anthony's death and they can't get closure on the death without an inquest. And during COVID, the coroner's court, Court 7, in Washington Street has been closed 
used as an office actually to, to allow people to social distance, uh, leading to very lengthy waits. It's been raised in the doll by Thomas Gould and Dunnach Alera of Sinn Féin. Uh, they've, uh, the uh, coroner has to fit in inquests wherever he can. TDs said that the coroner can't do his job. More funding is needed. Families are left waiting. They are going to keep up the pressure. So they've raised that one in the doll today. Speaking of the doll, the youngest TD in the doll, just to repeat what Daniel McConnell of The Examiner is saying. Uh, Cork East TD James O'Connor claims that he was misled about the National Development Plan. He doesn't say how, but misled about the National Development Plan and he's threatening to quit Fianna Fáil. We'll see where that one goes. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Email do it nuclear power. I wonder what the Greens think about nuclear. I thought nuclear in the UK increased cancer in Ireland. Wind power up the west in bogs has led to big movement, but you don't hear about that. Multiple nuclear reactors would be the death of Ireland. People pushing the same obviously have their pockets in mind. 18, it's, look, it's a conversation we wanted to start. We'll see where it goes. 1850-715-996. A book came out earlier this year called What Love Looks Like. It was written by Jarleth Gregory. And it centres around a 17-year-old called Ben. Ben is gay. Very happy for most, most of the time. He's done at school. He's got a good career out ahead of him. All he's worried about is who's he going to fall in love with. The guy of his dreams is still in, in the closet. His best pal is more interested in nights in than nights out. And he's still on the run from the school bully. And on top of everything else, his friend goes AWOL just when he needs her the most. Everything is changing around Ben's life and it's a tough time for him. It's uh, a book that falls into the young adult category and it's written by Jarlath Gregory. Jarlath, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What, what inspired that story, Ben's story? And was there an event or something you've been planning on doing anyway? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think the big inspiration for it was really around the gay marriage referendum in Ireland in 2015. That kind of got me thinking about um, how it was going to be a seismic change in Irish society one way or the other, whether it passed or whether it didn't. It was going to say something about how far we'd come in terms of accepting gay rights. And I thought it'd be very interesting to write from the perspective of a younger person for whom all this is normal. You know, we're used to the kind of the old-fashioned stories of coming out and maybe rejection by society and all that. But I think things had changed, and I think the debate around the gay marriage referendum really showed how far things had changed. And I thought it would be interesting to show that these days when people are coming out, very often you've already got your supportive friendship group, your family are more than likely going to be supportive, but not everything's perfect. So there'll Mm. still be those bullies in your life that you've got to deal with. And I thought, well, why not jump off there with a 17-year-old perspective? Mm. What's been the reaction? It's, it's out since early in the year. That's right, yeah. It came out in the spring. It's been great so far. So you never really know how these things are going to go. Uh, you can't, uh, 
you can't get too ahead of yourself, but you have to hope for good reviews. And luckily, the reviews have been great. So I'm very happy with how it's been launched so far. Mm. It was very difficult launching in a pandemic, of course, because it's especially hard for booksellers and people like that who really want to meet people and put the book in their hands and have a chat about it. Mm. And that, unfortunately, wasn't happening at the very beginning. But now that things are opening up again, I think it's a real opportunity for mm. that kind of hands-on book selling and word of mouth to get going again. So it's great for, for my book and for everyone else's book that was launched this year. I don't know how long it is since you were 17. It's quite a while since I was. The world when I was 17 was a very different place to what it is now. I had a great friend in school who, who was gay and the bullying uh-huh. and the intimidation in school was just just awful. I don't know what it was like in your time, but with all the changes in society now, Jarleth, do you think uh-huh. that youngsters still struggle with the realisation that they're gay and where where they might go with it, what they might do with it? That's a really good question. So, I mean, I grew up in a very different time as well. I grew up in the 90s. I'm in my 40s now, but I still remember what it was like in those teenage years because I think that the hardest thing to make youngsters now understand or come to realise is that like being out just wasn't the norm back then. I'm sure you remember that as much Mm. as I do. It wasn't normal to be out, you know, and now these days there's a lot more people who are out, there's celebrities who are out, there's great, you know, gay representation in all forms of media. That's fantastic. So I think that the biggest change now is that when youngsters uh, realise they're gay and are coming out now, I think the big difference is that they know there's going to be a certain level of support. I don't think people will struggle so much with being gay. They'll struggle with people's reaction to them being gay. You know, mm. they're worried about how people are going to react. But they know already at this stage that there's largely going to be a lot of support, which you wouldn't have known maybe 20 years ago. But that's great. That's a great positive change. And I think that I would like to reflect that in the book as well. I would like the book to reflect a more modern Irish society that shows some of that progress, Mm. you know? Ben has also been accepted by his stepdad in particular. And that's a lovely piece in the book. Do you think that it is easier now for young gay people to come out at home? Because the more I read on social media, people who are out and, and, and coming out there, it seems to be that the parent is the hardest hurdle in coming out. Is that still the case, do you think? I think it probably is. And, you know, I think part of this is just that it's really hard to talk to anybody's parents, regardless of who you are. It's really hard to talk to your parents about any aspect of sexuality. You know, you're always going to be the kid, the baby, They've, they've grown, you know, you've grown up with them mostly. If it's a stepfather, it might be a bit different, like in Ben's case. But largely speaking, they're going to have known you from a child. And, you know, as a teenager, you're changing, you're discovering this about yourself. It's just really hard to talk to, to parents about it. So I do think that is probably still the biggest hurdle. But I think that the good thing is that these days, parents are probably more vocal in their support of gay people, or at least, you know, gay kids have an idea of how their parents are going to react. If they think it's going to be bad, they have a chance to talk to other people first or maybe, like, uh, soften up their parents a bit before they they get down into the nitty-gritty of it, you know? Mm. Ben has a nice motto in life to finish. Change brings all kinds of possibilities. You just have to be ready to see them. There's a lot in that sentence. 
Yeah, I think so. And I, like, um, without giving any spoilers, you know, a lot of that is to do with the identity of some of the characters and friends that he makes along the way on his journey in the book. And Ben's great strength is that he takes people as he meets them. Uh, he's willing to see them for who they are. And that opens up a lot of possibilities, not just for friendship, but also in the end for the love in his life. All right. Listen, Jarlath, uh, thank you for being with us. That's Jarlath Gregory, author of a book called What Love Looks Like, published uh, earlier this year, available in all good good bookstores. And there's an e-book as well. The four-day week, which is coming up before the Oireachtas Committee this morning. We were talking about it here months ago. I beg have said, oh, no, God, no, couldn't do that. Oh, God, that'd be awful hard. That'd be cool. We couldn't possibly do that. We couldn't make that pay. Dennis Sweeney, solicitor, was on with me on the 2nd of September. Sure, he's already doing it. We're a personal injury medical negligence law firm. Uh, so we're dealing with very serious matters day in, day out. We're helping people all the time, uh, and it can be quite stressful. It's quite relentless. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking at... How do we help myself, my own well-being, um, physical and mental health, and the well-being of the staff? And I saw the four-day week, and we talked about it about a month ago to bring it in. We don't work Fridays. We have a three-day weekend now, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday mm-hmm. off, and back again on the Monday morning. We have no loss of output. We have no loss of business hours. Uh, it's all compacted into the four days. Mm-hmm. For, this is our second. We brought it in. This is our, we've actually this is our second week of doing it. So we've done it all last week and this week. We're finished today at six o'clock. We won't. The office will not be open tomorrow. Good. Now, obviously. In the legal business, there's lots of things outside it that are outside of our control, like court dates and yeah. other matters. And look, we'll just deal with those day rise. There you go. So there's a man that's doing it. I beg her above uh, telling the Raptors, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I think we're going to end up doing it. An awful lot of people will end up doing it. A four-day week. WhatsApp message. Scammers out there. I fell for it. Gave my address, my PPSN, my information. Please send out warnings. I'm running off now to report it to the guards. And on the buses, Paul says, if bus air and drivers park properly, it stops and not use the bus lane on Merchant's Quay as a parking lot instead of a driving lane. Some services might well be helped with punctuality. Josephine's complaining about Vodafone. Is there trouble with Vodafone getting calls or messages today? Thanks for that. They They only went and got themselves married, Dawn and Dale, two of the stars of... The Irish version of Gogglebox. Dawn, how are you? Congratulations. How are things? Thanks so much. <laughs> the whole country was saying, oh, look, they went and got married. Wasn't that great? Big day the other day. Yeah, um, such a big day. And like the response from people is outstanding. Like people are so nice and like lovely about it. Um, but yeah, best day of my lives, I suppose. <laughs> was it always planned for that date or did you have to change it? Yeah, it was always planned for the second. Um, we liked the way it looked written down, second of the 1021. And then also, um, it's the Cork area code, 021021. And we're very proud of Cork <laughs> so we loved it. <laughs> I never thought of that until you told me. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the honeymoon? Tenerife. And we are literally about to hop on the bus to go over to the airport. So you're lucky you caught us. <laughs> oh, good. It's something like 26. I'm going out there next summer and I was looking at a webcam, webcam yesterday. It's 26 degrees out there now. So I hate you already. But anyway. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> how's, been, how's the Gogglebox buzz been? It's a strange program. It's one of those ones. You're gonna, why am I sitting here watching people watching the telly? Because it's funny. How'd you get involved? Like on paper, the show sounds bananas. Um, 
to cut a really long story short, um, we were watching TV with our friend um, many moons ago and we were ripping the absolute pee out of the, out of the show and she was like, if there's ever an Irish one, you should apply for it. And you know the way your phone listens to you anyway and ad came up and we just said we'd chance it for the crack and we never in a million years thought they'd even respond to us. Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> I think as well when we applied for it, we kind of thought we'd be on one episode if we did get it. We didn't realise we'd be five seasons, n- nearly six seasons in um, and still going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't realise you were in it that long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's absolutely flown. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I mean, I'm not just saying it because you're there. You're, you're very, very funny. Like, and, and again, I'm sitting there going, I'm watching people watching the telly and the people on the telly watching the telly are funnier than the telly. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> is that the appeal of it, do you think? Yeah, and I think like the Irish humour is fantastic Like, and because everything everyone says on it, you agree with straight away that you can, like you relate to them and it's like mm. they're like your best friends, do you know? Maybe it's a trade secret. Do you know you're being filmed or is it random that the camera comes on? Do you know what now? Uh, we're so used to it, we don't know what's going on. And like, <laughs> in fairness, like if you've watched the show, we've been in our pajamas. Yeah. I told the name about how my mom makes penis stew for my dad. Do you know, like, you know, we've left out loads of family secrets. So, you know, we're just... You do kind of just forget it's even happening. We're just, we're just at home watching TV. So when people come up and say hello to us, we're a bit kind of like, oh, hi. I know. <laughs> Again, because we're... That home watching TV. Actually, there's a bit of celeb status goes with it now. People recognise you in the streets. The response to the wedding was huge. If you'd actually had a big party, you could have filled Parky Cueve. Oh, <laughs> I'd say now the whole of Cork would have been there. Um, but yeah, the response to the wedding is absolutely crazy. And I think the photos and stuff that we got from Sean from Cork as well. Like, absolutely fantastic. That The response has been amazing. All right. Well, listen, enjoy Tenerife. Go get that bus and don't miss it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Good luck to Dawn and Dale, and congratulations on the nuptials. They've got themselves married. Hit stars of Gogglebox, the Irish version, and they're off to Tenerife on the honeymoon. I'm off to Tenerife myself next summer. Gotta can't wait. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Uh, we had one or two that were there's loads of stuff we've been a very very busy morning here I didn't get to the Holy Communion one it was a very interesting uh, note so I'll leave that there for tomorrow on Jewtown I'm at Jewtown earlier on does anyone know if it's true that the Jewish community who settled in Albert Road or Jewtown walked originally from Limerick to Cork I don't know there is a great documentary that um, that lady I was talking to earlier on was was involved in, uh, Ruti Lax. If you look her up, R-U-T-I-L-A-S-C-H-S, there's a super documentary on the history of the Jewish community in Cork. It's a short one. It was put together there in the last year, so all put together on Zoom. A really interesting watch. God, it's been a busy, 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 maybe boy. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hi, hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.